before. I've had to preach following many different songs in different languages, but that's the first time in Hawaiian. Don't know whether I should do the hula now or... I don't think I better. This was a holiday weekend. To our guests, we welcome you here. We pray for those who be traveling this weekend or already traveling this weekend. Hope the weather's different than what it has been here in Southern California. Gene and I, when we heard about that tornado, we says, hey, it's like being back in Kansas. We felt like we were back home. Many people observe this holiday by going to the cemeteries, bringing beautiful arrangements of flowers, taking them and putting them around the tombstone, stopping and thinking and remembering their loved ones, going around to various cemeteries and looking at family members, maybe uh, grandparents, great-grandparents. Some cemeteries across the nation, volunteers will place American flags upon each gravesite of the veterans who were killed while serving our country. In some areas, it's a very um, big event, Memorial Day. Do you know how it started? I looked it up and I was kind of surprised. It actually started, the very first one, they believe, back in 1865, when liberated southern slaves met together in Charleston, South Carolina, and held a parade and a big picnic and uh, a whole day of celebration of all places at a historic horse racetrack. Because during the Civil War, that racetrack had uh, become a um, concentration camp, I guess you would call it, for the slaves. And in the middle of the racetrack, they dug a huge mass grave where they killed a lot of the slaves and buried them at the racetrack. And so their friends and families would come to this racetrack to celebrate and to remember their family members. A year later, a couple of generals up north had heard about the celebration down south They were so impressed that they decided it would be a good idea to uh, remember and honor the Union soldiers of the North and to pay respect to those who died in the Civil War. Then it began to continue on through World War I. It wasn't until after World War II that they really began to honor all fallen military personnel from all branches of the armed services with special occasions to honor them. Today we honor all of our loved ones who have passed away, whether military or or not. But in all occasions, ever since 1865, the focus of attention is upon the dead who are in their graves. 
What good does that do? If you would, turn in your Bible to Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14, I want to look at verse 21 this morning. Job chapter 14, beginning with verse 21. Talking about someone who had died, verse 21 says, His sons come to honor. That's like Memorial Day. His sons come to honor, and he does not know it. They are brought low, and he does not perceive it. So it doesn't really do any good for those who have died. They can't see the beautiful flowers. They don't know that the American flag is on the grave. They have no idea that the family and friends are there looking and remembering. They're not conscious of what's happening. Of course, the Bible teaches that the very day of their death, all thoughts perish. Jesus calls death asleep, and they will remain asleep until his second coming. But there is a Memorial Day that we should focus our attention upon. It's what I call the greatest Memorial Day ever recorded. If you would, turn to John chapter 20, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We want to begin with verse 24. This is after the death of Jesus. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24. Now Thomas, remember Thomas was one of the disciples. Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, said to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. So Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst of and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The resurrected Jesus is what we should memorialize in our minds. The empty grave of Jesus is something worth honoring. 
The resurrection of Jesus was the most awesome event of all times. That's why the heart of the Christian faith is the testimony that Jesus is not in his grave like all others, but he has been raised from the dead. And if you stop and think about that, just even contemplate that for a moment, the power of the resurrection is the basis for the limitless power in the lives of Christians today. We may not have actually seen the resurrected body of Jesus, or have we ever touched him like Thomas did, but there are ways that we may see him by experience and still believe. Like all Memorial Days, we must take time to remember the past, which gives us the courage for the future. The very essence of our spiritual life is when we recount all the mighty acts of the resurrected Christ in our lives. And we can't be the same when we do that. That was kind of the advice that was given both in the Old Testament and New Testament. I want to give you an example. Let's look at the Old Testament for a moment. In Second Chronicles, in chapter 20, it tells us of a time when three nations came together for one purpose, and that was to destroy God's people. Everything looked really dark and bleak for God's people. Just like sometimes today, because the economy is rising up and the price of gas is going up and everything is happening in the world and the disasters, for some of us it is very bleak. And so there's God's people and here are these armies that are ready to attack and they're afraid, they're weak, and they're vulnerable to these threats. They knew there was no way that they as a small group compared to these three nations that they could ever stand up against such a force and remain free to be able to worship their God. So what are they going to do? Well, the king, Jehoshaphat, calls the people together. He calls them together to pray. Now I want you to take a look very closely at his prayer and see if you notice something. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, here's his prayer, O Lord God of our fathers, Are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants 
of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Sira, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Do you see what he's doing in his prayer? He's leading the minds of the people to remember how God had led in the past and the promises that God had made and the fact that they are there to worship their God. And because of what He has done in the past and He has promised to be able to overthrow the enemies, it gave them courage that God was in control. After the prayer, God spoke to a prophet who happens to be the son of Zechariah. Take a look at 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 15. And he said, this is the prophet, Listen, all of you, Judah, and your inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He's just saying, I, speaking through the prophet, I, God, am going to take care of the situation. You see, God is never out of control of anything. And he has a solution for all things. But we have to go back and remind ourselves that from what has happened in the past, God is still in control. If he can do it back then, he can do it now. And so here came the promise. God speaking through the prophet, told them to go against the armies of the three nations. God told them that when they go out, they wouldn't have to fight these armies at all. They wouldn't have to fight them, for God is the one that's going to fight the battle for them. So they went out. They went out to face an army. And look how they went. Second Chronicles 20, beginning with verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, look what he did, he appointed those who would sing... To the Lord, here's a choir, and who should praise the beauty of holiness. 
And they went out before the army. Look at this. Here's the people. They're going to go out and they're going to face the enemies. And who's going before them? The choir. That doesn't make any military sense at all. Unless if they're bad singers. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord. They're singing this. Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sirah, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. The army didn't, of God's people didn't have to do a thing. They sent out the singers. And what were they singing? The praises of God. How could they praise God? Because they remembered what He had done to them in the past. And they says if He can do it then, He can do it now. He says He's going to take care of the situation. And so the choir goes out singing. Singing praises to their God. When they finally got to the battleground, all they found of the three nations, three mighty armies who had come together, were dead bodies. God had taken care of the whole situation. When Jehoshaphat remembered God's leadings in the past, the power of God was unleashed in the present. What does that tell us today? What was true in the Old Testament times is also true in the New Testament times. The mightiest act of God is what He did at the cross and then at the tomb of Jesus. Our hearts, to be able to establish faith, to endure the hardships that we're about to encounter in the very near future, must be because we have belief in the resurrected Jesus. He has promised that He's going to come and take us away from all these problems. He's promised to protect His people. He's in total control. The heart of the Christian faith is the testimony of the fact that I believe it, and why do I believe it? Because Jesus rose from the dead. His grave is empty, and that empty grave gives us great hope. No matter what the devil dishes out, he is defeated because Jesus came out of his grave alive. The resurrected body of Christ reveals that death and sickness and suffering is not the end. We have God on our side. We have the hope of the resurrection. We have the hope of that because of the second coming of Christ, but because of His resurrection that gives us courage. We have the power that God can raise a dead, lifeless, decaying body back to life for all eternity. That's the power that is leading us. The devil cannot do that. He can fake raising someone from the dead. 
He can pretend to be a dead loved one that has come back to haunt us or to tell us things, but he does not have the power to raise anything back to life when it is dead. But the resurrected body says that God has that power and God's on our side. When Thomas and the other disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, they couldn't keep still. They began to spread throughout the community that we have seen and touched Jesus whom you crucified. You saw him on the cross. You saw us take him him down off of the cross. You saw us carrying his body to this grave. You saw that But let me tell you something. You can go to that grave today and that grave is empty and we have seen Jesus. And Thomas says, I stuck my finger in his wounds. And when they started preaching the resurrected Jesus, power came like you wouldn't believe. You see, when we focus our thoughts and our minds on the blessings that God has given, and the greatest blessing is the resurrected Jesus, the church cannot remain still. The church has power. You want limitless power in this church? You share the resurrected Jesus. But you say, I haven't seen him. I didn't stick my finger in his wound. How can I share that? Let me tell you. Jesus says, those who have not seen me and yet believe, we've got the greatest faith of them all. The way I can see Jesus is maybe not by sight, but by experience. When I can look back and I can see by experience how he's led me here, I can say it's the resurrected Jesus that led me. When he's led me through this situation, he's going to lead me through all other situations. I can experience that Christ. Someday I'm going to see that Christ. But for now, I see him through experience. And when I reflect... When I have my memorial day and I reflect on the fact that Jesus died for my sins, but He didn't stay dead, He was raised from the dead, and He is the power that's going against the devil, I don't care what the devil dishes out in my life, I know from past experience what the devil has already tried to do to get rid of my faith, what he's already tried to do to stop me from believing, but I'm going to tell him I don't care because I believe in that resurrected Jesus and that power is going to see me through the end. You can have the whole government turn against me, and it will. You can... Have me lose my job and my worth of my bank account, and it will. 
You can have my friends and my relatives turn against me, and they will. You can have the false Christ stand up and say, believe in me, and he will try to do that. But I'm not going to fall because the resurrected Jesus is in control and he's promised to see me clear through to the end. Do you know that's the message that people in this world want to hear desperately? They're in a panic right now. What are we going to do with the gas prices so high? What are we going to do now that our, our food bill is going so high? What are we going to do because I'm being laid off from my job? What are we going to do because all these things are happening? I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to listen to God's church who's going to remember the memorial day of the resurrected Jesus and they're going to say, here's your hope. Yesterday was Dottie Chase's memorial service. God bless her heart. Quite a woman. Son was telling me that uh, one day when she lived in the greater Los Angeles area, she used to weigh over 200 pounds. You didn't know that, did you? She's a little bitty thing here in this church. So she decided to go out walking to lose weight. And she did. But she lived in a bad area. Now, little Dottie had a lot of faith. Probably more faith than you and I would have. When she was out walking one day, a mugger came and stuck a gun right between her eyes and said, give me your purse. What would you do? Well, guys, you don't have a purse, but what if it was your wallet? You know what she did? She took her purse and started hitting him. The robber ran off and yelled back at her, lady, you're crazy. Do you know what? She didn't fear a robber because she had a fear or a respect for the resurrected Lord. And she died with that hope of the resurrection. Do you have that? You can have that power if you look back. The antidote for a dead church is not a more lively worship service. The antidote is to become part of of a living, active power of God by doing what Jehoshaphat did back then was remember and God says now go. And when I go, the power of God goes with me. And you're going to see things happening like you would never believe would ever happen in your life and in the life of the church. We are to give people hope in this world. By the way, in the memorial service yesterday, Dottie used to be a member of uh, a Bible study group of many denominations. And a lot of those ladies came who were a part of that group and who were sitting there. And I praise God for this because it's not me. I praise God for this. When I preached the memorial service, I preached from the Word of God. And one of the ladies came up to me. She not only spoke to me, but she spoke to some others. She said, 
in my own church that I meet at on Sunday morning, my preacher never uses the Bible. She says, I am almost moved to drop my membership in my own church that I've attended for years and come to your church because you use the Bible. Do you know what it is? She found hope in the resurrected Jesus. Because that's what I preached about. Otherwise, death means absolutely nothing. We'll just go to our graves and that's it. But in the resurrected Jesus, we have that hope for the resurrection of our loved ones. Instead, and it doesn't bother me if you want to go to the graveyard and put the flowers out there in honor of your loved one, that's fine. But just keep in mind, they can't see it. But on Memorial Weekend and any other weekend, why don't you get people to think about the death of Jesus and then his empty grave? And then to say, you know what I'm waiting for? Is for my loved one who's now asleep in Jesus because of the power of the resurrected Jesus. My loved one is going to shoot out of that grave with a new body, with new energy, and a new mind, and I'm going to go with them. Because Christ promised that in his house are many mansions, and he's gone to prepare a place for me and for you. And we don't have the corner of the market of Seventh-day Adventists on it. There are a lot of people who have died in Christ who are of other denominations. But to encourage the family the fact that we have hope of the resurrection only because of the empty tomb of Jesus gives to them comfort and courage. Ah, we're filled with the awesome power of God when we remember Him. When we think of Jesus on the cross and, and His blood flowing out, that's not death blood. That's life blood. That's the life for us. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Wonder-working power. This Memorial Day, spend some time remembering and honoring your dead loved ones, but give great strength and power from remembering the resurrected Jesus and then sharing that with others. Would you be willing to do that? If so, let's stand and sing hymn number 294, Power in the Blood, 294.
at the empty grave of Jesus, we've remembered. We honor now the resurrected Jesus who is our power and our strength in time of need. Amen.